0: Hello there. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Opening Set Season 3. I've been wanting to say that for a very, very long time. This is the voice of King Most. i got my man John Reyes, a.k.a. Stank Palmer, the show producer writing Shotgun. Whew. Hope you're doing very well. Um, I guess we should uh, kind of give you some context for Season 3. Usually these series uh, are a little longer than usual, but because of COVID, unfortunately, we were able to you know, kind of um, cut short a little bit. We were supposed to go down to L.A. and interview some friends but obviously we can't do that, but we're able to capture some really, really great um, podcast interviews with a couple of friends from up here in the Bay Area. But before we get all that, actually, um, off the rip, opening set is all about Black Lives Matter. That goes without saying, but we'll say anyways, myself being Latin and John Reyes being Filipino, we've always felt we are allies and completely indebted to Black culture, especially that we are both DJs and, you know, we enjoy Black music and we make Black art. So, yeah, I felt like we have to say that because right now we're saying uh, we're recording these episodes in June in the middle of pandemic. And we've been having um, a lot of uprisings or protests, rightfully so, asking for the change of uh, policing in this country. So I felt we had to say that, you know, it's just the right thing to do and the responsible thing to do as uh, just, you know, not just DJs, but just people, you know, living in this world right now. So, like I said, new season of opening set, a little shorter, but I think we're able to uh, get some really good interviews uh, nonetheless. Here we go. what is up everybody hello 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 welcome to opening set season three number one this is your boy king most riding shotgun as always this is my dude john ray stank palmer little air horn for him beep, 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 beep. Follow us on all socials on opening set. That's Instagram, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, and for sure, for sure, uh, you know, like, subscribe, follow. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on basically uh, anywhere podcasts are you know being listened to, and that's a whole lot of places. But um, yeah, you know, big thanks to everyone that's been kind of you know, uh, you know, kind of lending their support and, and telling people and just saying hey, we love the podcast. When is it coming back? And here we are. Here we go. So uh, yeah thank you for waiting thank you for hanging tight with us and today's awesome awesome guest for our first episode of season three is our dude dj Kutso, a, a very long long time friend he is part of the bangers also supplies music for the jabberwockies a uh, member of rebel pop radio which you can find every saturday on iheart radio he's uh also been smashing on the twitch you can find him there um doing his show called erratic city kind of telling rap stories playing just whole you know random collection of hip-hop and dance music and and remixes it's good times oh and they also dropped a really cool seven inch on raisin heads which you should definitely get if you are a vinyl collector i guess i picked this quote because i think this is something that everyone feels if you're a creative person and obviously a music person i think if you don't feel this at any point you aren't trying hard enough to borrow a phrase or maybe you're very fortunate or maybe it just hasn't come yet but um this hits so hard And I think I also need to mention, like, we're in the middle of a shutdown. DJs, we are all basically out of work. You know, we're very dependent on, you know, our savings, our family, side hustles, unemployment. There's probably some people thinking, you know, after this, I'm not going to DJ again. And that's real. That's honest. And that's something that very well might happen. But I guess, you know, maybe have a little faith. Yes, things are very upside down, but things could return to normal. So hopefully, it gives you a little, uh, you know, a little comfort to kind of, you know, keep pushing along and doing your thing. I went back home for a couple
1: weeks and. I got a rejection letter from Red Bull. At least they sent
0: you a rejection letter. That's very nice of them. They also <laughs> sent me a
1: four-pack of Red Bulls. Here, as you're crying, stay <laughs> yeah, up the Yeah, 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 here, here. <laughs> here, kid. Have some energy while you're fucking crying, crying yeah, yeah. yourself to as sleep.
0: As your world shatters around you, here's yeah. some wings. Yeah. Go <laughs>
1: practice, you know? <laughs> I was shattered by that, too. But that same day, that same day, I got... The email from Truth Live saying, Hey, I just got the green light for this new show. I want you to be my co pilot. I was like, Yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do it. Okay. That same week, that same week, I got a call from Lyrics Born. He was like, Would you like to do a bunch of shows with me? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. And I was traveling around and I had this, it was like a new career almost. Because suddenly I was a tour DJ, I was a radio DJ. And before that, I was just a club DJ trying to find my place. Anytime I would feel like the game was spitting me out, I would try to exit the game quietly, but there would always be an opportunity that would like kind of lasso me back in.
0: Also in this conversation, we do talk about some other topics. Um, I think one of the things I'm glad I was able to get a little uh, kind of insight on was enjoying problematic artists as a DJ. I think it's a problem that definitely comes up, and it really just a, a question, you know, whether it's you know Michael Jackson R. Kelly, Kanye West, da 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 da. Um, we talk about with Kutso in terms of Morrissey. We also discussed San Jose culture and nightlife and being a DJ's DJ. I always wrestle with this, and I'm always curious about um, what people think when they're told that. And one of the things I really liked about our whole time together is that you can know somebody for forever, in this case 20 years. But until you kind of step out of typical kind of DJ environments like a club or you're sharing music or you have your phones out, until you really just do that one-on-one time and you can really finally get to learn somebody so if you're a dj yourself you know hang out with the you know someone that you respect or a friend just no distraction get to know them you can learn and also share a lot of stuff and uh, that was definitely the case with uh, with cutso so shout out to him if you want to know more about Cutso, you can find him on Instagram under C U T S O, Kutso, or under Twitch under Cuddy Kutso. He does this show, like I said, called Erratic City. It's been a total joy watching. And it's been like one of my favorite things next to John Ray's daily uh, Twitch stream. But, you know, he won't say that. But yeah, here we go. Cutso King Most Opening Set, John Ray's. Let's do this. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Opening Set. This is now Season 3, Episode 1. Shout out to man John Reyes, who's been patient uh, (laughs) with me, and uh, shout out to everyone listening and kind of supporting us all along. But we're kicking off this season with none other than my main man. What's your name? Cutso. I like your drop. It's... Cutso, Cutso. Who is that, by the way? That was my old roommate, Beth. Okay, that's a very yeah. good drop. We call her
1: Beth Stop. Beth Stop. Beth Stop, because she was a photographer. Oh, okay. She had a really dope singing voice, and one day I was just like, "Yo, I need a drop, just for like a little mixtape." And I ended up using that for like the last like decade.
0: There, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you need like a sonic calling card. Yeah, it's I, dope
1: because it cuts like the frequency of it cuts through everything.
0: Wow, that is probably the most detailed yeah. ID. Because you ever know, heard. some
1: people's drops they get lost. Like sometimes it's like the, the track can be muddy, and like they'll do a drop and it'll be like. How
0: does it go? <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a turkey. <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, yeah. uh, my good friend Vu Bang. Yeah, you know. Vubang. We would we would debate DPRK in the house. Oh shit! Dog, with Doctor Rodney King. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that, that was a question you meant to gang ask. Gang. But yes, we would always debate. DJ mustard on the beat, ho. We, I would say it was that, and he would say it would be something else. Mustard on the beat, ho. But yeah yeah, 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 very sloppy. But full disclosure, we've known each other for eight, over a decade, more than that. Yeah, I was gonna like say
1: 2001.
0: Yeah, like close to 20 years. So I think it's always good context because you know that kind of will give the listeners idea of the talk we're about to have. It,
1: King one and cut so quick. Oh my god. Dude,
0: yeah, guy, man. Is, is, Phonography dude. Volume One. Oh shut up, dude. <laughs> I, no, you know why?
1: You know, you know why I remember that too? Because oh, I was mad. Because I was like, I wanted to come out with a project called hardcore phonography uh-huh. and then when i met you you showed me phonography while One, went and i was like oh damn it oh uh, i wanted to use that oh well whatever okay. I,
0: I know my man ryan he's uh he's a fan and of, of, of he, we're also long-term friends and for our, our listeners that do not know and i don't think anyone know this it was actually my first ever mixtape and i actually really bought it i just bought it off of discogs did you really yeah i was Is like look, still out there I was looking for it. I didn't have a copy. Sick. And I went on Discogs. It was like six bucks. And I put in the message like, hey, dude, um, I'm, I'm King One. Just letting you know. And no response. <laughs> and I just get the package like a couple of days later. He's right? like, so? But cool. Anyways. Six dollars. So you want priority or media? Like, what's, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Man? So I've known you so long. So the very first important question to ask you, best Prince song, quick. Uh, something in the Water. I don't even know that one.
1: That is on 1999.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I know that album is like his hits album. Yeah. It's got all his big songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I slide past that.
1: Yeah, it's Damn. on 1999. I yeah. mean, there's so many tracks on that album, but Something in the Water is my favorite one.
0: Yeah. And I always tell people, if, what's an album to check out, like an intro? And I say that one because it's got a lot of hits. Or the B-sides, uh, the yeah. hits and b side, Because a lot of ill shit on that. Yeah. So You can't yeah. go wrong with pretty
1: much any Prince album.
0: My boy. Well, b- before... Uh, Raven to the Joy
1: Fantastic, I guess. Yeah, actually, C-minus,
0: <laughs> shout out to him. He's a big Prince fan. And he says, even when Prince songs are bad... They're still like kind of good. They're still they're, like okay. Expert track. musicians, man. Yeah, it's like pizza. Even bad pizza is like good. It's pizza. Yeah, it's like you can yeah. be bad. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, And it's, I think that's another yeah. thing. I'm like I again, when I'm thinking about you, aside from friendship and other cool things, is like yeah, you're a fellow Prince head, you're a fellow Polo head, you're a fellow Jordan head, you're you're a lot of things like that. Yeah. So But we, we see eye to eye on a lot of things. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, and, and just and we always have. I mean, yeah, it's like it the just, basis of our friendship. And, uh, yeah, as we get to know each other, we're like oh yeah, you're a Polo head too. I, we not, just happen to DJ. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. We're friends first and yeah. then we just happen to DJ yeah. on top of that have other creative interests yeah so we talk about uh, how you first met and you were in you know early DJ battles and a lot of Frisco people know about this or Bay Area people is zero DJ battles yeah uh, these were zero kind records. of records these were like how to describe this would be the lyricist lounge of DJ dudes yeah you kind of see the same folks and a lot of community came out of that a lot of friends and I remember the first time I went to a battle it was you and your whole crew at the time you guys were the finger bangers yeah it was like yo who like what was that? I thought the name was like kind of like offensive. You know, <laughs> I know of all things, I was offended by Shout that. Shout out Nick No. Yes, uh, everybody. Came, formerly known as DJ Nobility. Yeah, he
1: was the guy who came up with that. Okay. I remember the day he came up to us in high school. Oh, you it guys was like, that far back. Yeah, well, I mean, we I've known Nick since seventh grade. I almost got into a fight with him at church. <laughs> <laughs> like like most people do. Yeah, well, just, he dude him and like the whole class bullied me. But that's like some other shit. But that's how I met Nick No. When we formed a DJ group in high school, like we you know we started doing these battles together. And then one day we're just like, dude, let's just fucking Voltron, make a crew. Mm -hmm. And he came up to us the next Monday and he was like, came up with the name. It's Finger Bangers. (laughs) And everybody was juiced on it. And I was like, what? Oh. For real? You had some reservations about it. Yeah, man. Because, you know, I I wanted to be in like, you know, something with a dope ass, like fucking hard ass name, you know? Like the cut mania something like that you know yeah something that fit the criteria scratch lords of san jose but but, you know that that name actually ended up working out better because it nobody forgot it yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: you know what i'm saying
1: like it was one of those things like even like you know like we met jazzy jay one time at uh nam back in like 2006 and me and Weezy went to get a drop from him and he's like, Oh, uh, who should I shout out? Like, what, what are you guys in a crew together? We're like, Yeah, we're in the finger bangers. And he's like, Oh, I know about y'all. Yo, Rayda and Joey, uh, Mr. Sinister. They told me about you kids, man. You guys are the future. Oh, hell yeah. I know about you guys and Cause he knew the name. He knew finger, finger, finger bangers. bangers. Yeah, he was like, I never forgot that name.
0: Yeah, it's like good pizza. You don't forget about. You don't forget about it. Man. Yeah, man. Everything, the crust man. was popping. The anchovies. Yeah, was great. man. The cheese was the, the just was right, perfect. Yeah. It didn't fall off. Yeah, the delivery guy didn't like let the the top of the boards, you know, stick to the cheese. Nah, it was, it was you got that f- little table in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the
1: GI Joe table. Yes, the GI
0: Joe table. So I was gonna ask that question a little later, but let's jump into the finger bangers. Run down the members of the crew real quick. Let's All do right, we up.
1: have Nick uh, No. Golden Child, Replay, G-Rex, Square Wheezy, and myself. Okay.
0: So breaking it down, I want to say, was Golden Child the first Red Bull Bay Area champion yes. or national champion? Yes. So this is before the Red Bull battle was like anything, right? This was when it was still an invitational.
1: Oh. Yeah, wow. and they had the first Bay Area regional and Golden Child was the first champion.
0: Was it national or, or just regional? Or regional. Regional. Or- okay yeah yeah i remember going to this battle and everyone was just like it's golden child, golden yeah, child. It was, yeah, like, yeah it was like it was like a buzz and when he came on stage it was just like gigantic roar it was almost fucked up unfair to whoever else was in that battle yeah because
1: all of our homies were in that battle yeah yeah like max
0: kane had a fever that day oh, shit. yes um, yes yes yeah yeah uh
1: dials was in it dials jeffrey uh, paradise n- remember remember, na- remember natalie Nux. yes yes um, whoa yeah um i think jay was in there too jay espinoza what i think so I think that, that might have been the next year. And he didn't. Wow. Actually, no, no, that was the next year because that was at the Independent and where uh, Dom battled was at uh, DNA. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. just so came out. Star.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, to give you a picture, it's like, imagine an entire venue of like DJ fans, like salivating, frothing in the mouth. And then everyone just cheering you on. And he just comes out. it was like the coolest stroll in classic Dom. Very chill. Very, you know, easygoing manner. Just kind of comes up. He's like, what's up? And just like. It, it was his already He's a showman, dude That guy, like, had so much swag Uh-huh Like, still, to this day Yeah Swagmaster Dom And then moving on to other members I Tell me if I'm wrong Is it he's got Replay? Replay He's got the plaques? He's got the plaques, okay. man <laughs> Grammy Award winning producer replay Of The Bangers and Free School Okay, so, um, uh, a little specific Did, uh, Am I wrong with, like, Bruno Mars and Major Lazer and Diplo? or and ch- Check me, what's... Um, Chris, Brown, Chris Brown
1: Black Eyed Peas uh, I think he did some stuff with Rihanna. He also had a hand in producing uh, Look At Me Now.
0: Oh, I think that was the big one that really yeah. got people talking. Yeah, And then you have other members, too. So how do you guys kind of manage all these personalities? Is it now just you guys are just lifelong friends or that everyone kind of slowly takes separate roles or how, or what, what do you think?
1: I mean, we've been brothers for life, man. We've been together since 1998. And like some of us have like gone further back than that. But like... You know, we're the groomsmen in each other's weddings. We're, like, each other's children's godfathers. Mm-hmm. Like, we're homies first. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always been that way. And, you know, like, we just happen to DJ. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. When we formed the crew, it was like, you know, like, everybody had something uh, different to bring to the table. So putting those components together and trying to figure out how those components, like, blend, uh-huh. that was, like... The first years of us like DJing as a team. That's when we started doing team battles. Yes, the team battles, which is a
0: thing you yeah. had to do, you, which
1: was dope. I mean, like we, you know, we did that for a solid like two, three years. The farthest we'd gone was a uh, ITF two thousand Western Hemisphere team champions.
0: I remember this, dude. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. and then
1: when we kind of ducked out of the turntablism scene, we started producing music, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we were still using turntables. We were learning how to use NPCs. We were learning how to use, you know, like, like. Pro Tools and you know Reason and things like that. Uh, we we are already kind of well versed in like Fruity Loops when it was kind of a shameful thing to use at the time. We made like three rec- uh, break records out of that software. What,
0: what was mm-hmm. this desire to kind of grow? Is it just because you just got bored, or is like you were kind of thinking more in like in a career? Like we should evolve with the times and do something else and pivot?
1: Well, it was a, it was a combination of us like really feeling ourselves. Oh wow! And just like <laughs> just genuinely enjoying making music together as a crew, and then other people taking interest in it so like having like a a small fan base and then suddenly having these companies knocking on the door to you know do commercial spots and things like
0: that and like sound design yeah and then the jabberwockies came into the picture which was my next question so it was just kind of it was just all your talents found happened to find they
1: all found a home somehow Yeah.
0: yeah like like in all the phases that we'd been through together as a group from like
1: dj crew to DJ production team, to Strictly production team, like, we always enter those phases because of a big opportunity. For instance, the mm-hmm. you know, Which, like,
0: tell me about that.
1: Those were the homies. Randy Wishwan, uh, as a former member of the Jabbawockees, he was our kind of connect to the rest of the crew who had already kind of had some juice in the dance scene at that time. And unbeknownst to us, they were using our music. Um, like, you know, as as their own personal soundtrack. So essentially, they were, like, one of the first dance groups with their own sound and their own image. Oh, yeah, with the masks. Yeah, Yeah. and so, like, people ate that up. Like, the whole dance community ate that up. And we didn't know this. Like, this was just an album we had recorded a few years ago that we hoped would do well, but just... We were so happy to have it out of our hands that we forgot to promote it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think they took care of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It it, it landed okay, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, in in the end, it ended up okay because, yeah, it it ended up getting this cult following through the dance scene. Mm -hmm. And um, once they blew up, MTV uh, started their America's Best Dance Crew show, and Jabberwocky was among the first of the groups to uh, enter. Mm -hmm. So they won the show. They asked us to be their exclusive producers, like their exclusive production team. And then they started doing, you know, small tours around the world. TV appearances and things like that. Like every TV show, like Regis and Kelly, Nickelodeon, yeah. Kids' Choice. It was like Blue uh, Man. Everything. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> they, were, they were the Blue Man group. Blue Man, but with beats. Right. Dope shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, well, I mean, Blue Man had beats too. <laughs>
0: <man>. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> have you seen the Blue Man <laughs> yeah, show? That I have shit is, not. Yeah. My only connection to Blue Man. Co-see the Blue Man group.
1: That really, shit is the, ill, bro. The only bro. thing I know about
0: Blue Man is the Rest of development, rest the development. I just blew myself. And just that's blew all myself. I know. That's all I know. I'm afraid I
1: just so. blew myself.
0: Yeah. Um. Their success were you guys kind of like capitalizing on it or was this kind of like this thing that you're kind of watching from afar? Did you go on tour? And we, anyone from the crew went on tour with them? We toured with them. I was primarily
1: their DJ for when they needed a DJ on tour. Oh, so you were like front line with this stuff. Yeah. You saw yeah, it yeah. firsthand. Yeah, like I went to Guam with them. I went to Hawaii with them. I went to mm-hmm. all over the U.S.
0: Okay, and if yeah. you don't mind me asking, what is their nationality or ethnic background?
1: Um, Filipino, black. Some of the former members are Latino, a couple of, uh, Vietnamese guys,
0: okay. Korean. Did any of them go to the country where their heritage is from? Let's say it was. Uh,
1: I mean, in the Philippines, they like they, they straight got mobbed. Yeah, like the Beatles. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Nick can attest for this because he was there. Okay. He, they straight got mobbed like the
0: Beatles. Bro. That's amazing. I dude. mean,
1: we were. In, I was in Guam with them, and like, we were getting stalked. Wow. Like. Girls were hiding behind bushes while me and Fee were trying to get breakfast. <laughs> so, and it was crazy, man. Like it was it was, it was just, surreal. It was surreal because I mean, they legit had like teenage fans. Yeah, uh,
0: and it's all of something you just did because the joy of music. You yeah, because
1: they wanted to grow and they wanted us to grow with them because they grew with our sound. Yeah. So they're like, "Yo, let's let's make this
0: official." Uh huh. And, and so. so uh, So then were you, so like, was your ears now like, okay, we now need to think music in a dancing form as opposed to a club rocking form? Or is it just keep doing what you're doing and we'll find a way to to go with it?
1: No, they pretty much just gave us free range to do what we do and adapt it to what we do because that's how they started in the first place. Like, you know, they didn't give us direction. Like they, they were directed by the music, they're dancers. So they're basically like, they'll, they'll have us do little edits here and there. But for the most part, they're like, yo, just edit this song. Like, they'll give me, like, they used to give us, like, you know, things like a like a Don Henley song or something. Like, yeah, I want you to edit this.
0: Don't and we like, all? Don't we all have yeah, a Don you know, Henley like, Who doesn't love Don Henley, man? <laughs> New York Minute. Boys of Summer
1: is, like, one of my favorite songs, like, of all time. Okay. Like, Yo, legit. So, I guess
0: that's the song that gets you hyped. <laughs> that <laughs> pumps
1: my nads, like,
0: <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Don Henley. <laughs> okay. Boys of Summer. Boys <laughs> yeah. It's a
1: sad song, man. It's very emotional. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I like, I like bittersweet. Nobody song. on the road. Nobody on the beach. Damn. Kind of heavy if you say it like it's that. heavy, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's 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 a song about being alone.
0: I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, when you, it's good crying music, I guess. It is. All right, it <laughs> is. So, now, you, now
1: you know what I cry to. Okay, Well, I don't cry I, to The Cure. Okay, well, I cry to Don Henley. Okay, I,
0: I was gonna ask another question. Let's jump right into it. I was gonna ask this as the first question. So I know you like a lot of music. We talk about Prince. I know just knowing you on a personal level, and I know you have this love for The Cure. Right. Yeah. But also the Smiths. And, yeah. this is, and I think you may know what I'm going to ask. And I ask you this because yeah, I love you as a friend. I know you have a very good heart. And you being from San Jose, which has a huge, you know, Latino, specifically Chicano, brown population. How do you feel? Um, John and I talked about this on the way on the way over here about Morrissey, because obviously I don't you know, we can we all know why he'd be very problematic, especially in 2019 how do you reconcile are you really just simply a the separate the art from the artist person
1: um you know i could say yes but it depends from case to case okay like but let, specifically I'll morrissey f-
0: Morrissey, i mean
1: he's a bigot he's an asshole he's a dickhead to his fans uh uh-huh. he's a racist he's a, racist. a xenophobe yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. a xenophobe but yeah. i can't say that i was the hugest smiths fan or the hugest morrissey fan uh-huh I love their music. I was raised on the Smiths. Meet His Murder is like one of my favorite albums. Yeah. It's the one Smith album I I
0: know and I like. Yeah. 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 But
1: yeah, I mean, I was never really too keen on him as a person Mm -hmm. because I always knew about his antics and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I always had more of a connection with with The Cure. Okay.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I was raised on Smiths too. Yeah. So So now you just, you play his music and like, yeah, I know this guy sucks, but he doesn't suck at making music. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I wouldn't do the same for R. Kelly.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, like, I guess, I guess I base it on the sins that they commit.
0: Yeah. You know, and
1: not to say that racism and, you know, like xenophobia is lower on my agenda, but.
0: I'll play a Morrissey song before I play an R. Kelly song. Yeah. I really I asked that not because I want to like get on a gotcha question because I personally struggle with it all the time. Yeah, we all do. And yeah. if
1: you don't admit to it, then yeah. you're lying to yourself.
0: Yeah. Or you're just a fucking apolitical asshole in, yeah. In, yeah. In, in these times. Right. And like on the last season, we talked I talked to King Marie and she's from Chicago and we went at length to talk about Kanye and R. Kelly. Mm. And her and I are on the both same page. Like, I don't play Kanye, I don't play R. Kelly. Yeah. And I recently had this kind of online interaction with Freddie Gibbs. OK. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it was very uh-huh. it was fun. I made a joke about it. But, mm. yeah, I, I won't go into detail. But, you know, I like took off bandana off my computer and I just bought like the merch I was wearing it the day before. And then he had this whole fuck Colin Kaepernick thing. And I was like, what the fuck? And I I didn't even know about that. Yeah. I. I yeah, exactly. I uh, on Twitter, I, I mentioned him and he said, eat a dick. Like I'm, resp- I was like, all right. I just, I thought it was funny, you know, and I Thanks. retweeted it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I just asked. That's like- dope that you got a response from him. I guess, and he yeah. stood his ground with it, you know, like yeah, I, mean, I don't ride for him, but yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, you know, by the time that's kind of tight that he like defended yeah. himself to you, yeah, I screen grabbed and post <laughs> on Instagram. I just thought it was funny. I'm that's I'm a, thinking making a T-shirt of it, but that's a
1: slight weight honor. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, I know something kind of honorable. <laughs> yeah, about I that. put it in my bio also, you know, burned by Freddie Gibbs, <laughs> blocked and
1: burned by yeah. Freddie Gibbs.
0: But yeah, I, I just asked that because I I wonder about it, and you know, honestly, I like to think maybe other DJs and our friends kind of have this like moment like shit should, should i support this artist and yeah and i think my friend zephyr shot zephyr and she broke it down it was like everyone has their personal line i think that's been the really a thing that's really helped me kind of navigate you know the the post kanye michael jackson world yeah it's just like for some people some people are going to feel you and some people aren't yeah and absolutely just do your best to try to keep that steering wheel straight on the road yeah. otherwise you can go crazy
1: i like to avoid the subject when i'm out playing yeah so I haven't really played much Michael yeah, since then. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, my thing with Michael, it affects, you know, my thing with Michael and Prince, it's it goes like kind of big because I throw the yeah, parties. Yeah. And, I have a fucking
1: Michael Jackson tattoo. Yeah, I'm looking
0: at it. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, what am I supposed to do with this, man? I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> wear long sleeve sweatshirts and yeah, 80 man. degrees in San Jose. Yeah. Bad and, like, things yeah, that, have been yeah. done. Yeah, you can do that. But, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely, it's a complex situation. Anybody said there's a, black and white clear cut way to handle it. I hope they can tell me that I can feel better about myself because at the same time there isn't, man. we listen to like we make and listen problematic ass rap music yeah you yeah. know so we li- yeah we've idolized problematic artists for years yeah like Miles we could say Miles Davis we could say yeah. Al Green we could yeah. say da, da 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 all these people that we like so yeah, yeah and I think I really had to ask because I've always wondered about the Morrissey thing like it, where
1: do you draw the line though that's, yeah, that's, and that's really where it's at that's what we're for about. Morrissey I don't really write for him that
0: hard yeah but so do you you don't do Morrissey nights do you right? no, okay, no okay I
1: mean I (laughs) I've I've played at a Smiths uh, uh, party. I've played at a Smiths uh, party, but I've never done a whole like Smiths tribute. I I feel like I'm not as well versed with the Smiths music as I am with like the Cure or like Depeche Mode.
0: So you kind of dodge that bullet.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was my homie's party, so he was the one responsible for playing the Smiths
0: that night. Yeah, that's on you, but I yeah. was playing everything else. There you go, Yeah. Man.
1: But I, you know, I mean, there's Smiths songs that I still love. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, as long
1: as as long as my ladies in San Jose and
0: LA uh-huh. love Morrissey and the Smiths,
1: I'll throw it on every now and then.
0: Yeah. Echo Park, man, this shit goes off. Yeah, bro. and I think that's kind of what I want to ask because you, being a, a you know, being in San Jose, there's such a huge brown Chicano population here, and yeah. I know, like, I remember two years ago, Morrissey was headlining uh, Tropicalia, which is a uh-huh. extremely brown, uh, young brown person uh, music concert. Was yeah, like, in Long Beach, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was like, the disconnect was, and I think the call headliners were Tigres del Norte, which yeah. is, you know, like yeah. a Mexican band, so Hard I'm hardcore, like, yeah. you know, this is so weird, so I, you know, this is a good segue, we're talking about, I'm talking about San Jose, and tell me the DJ history, because honestly, I always, I have guests from, say, Boston and Chicago and, you know, other cities that aren't as, you know, well-documented, the DJ history, I want to yeah. know, so... I, besides you guys, I don't really know much about San Jose DJ culture, and it's only for our listeners. San Jose is only like forty minutes from San Francisco. Yeah, it was it, a world apart, though, man. But I, yeah, so tell me about this world, because I again, um, we don't, I don't know much about it. Well, I, I mean, I'm
1: starting to find out, you know, like hearing like D Styles talk about, you know, the mobile scene on like the Beat Junkies podcast, and there was a lot of unity with you know Bay Area mobile scene, a lot more than than I ever known, but. You know, growing in San Jose, we were kind of isolated. I didn't really know what was going on in San Francisco at the time, but I knew that the mobile scene out here was thick. Like, you know, there was a bunch of mobile crews, and, you know, they were doing the same thing. Like, who's got the biggest sound system? Who's got the the craziest light rig? Uh, Who's got the fucking illest DJs? When I started taking an interest into DJing, like, beyond what my uncle taught me when I was like eight years old with like these electro and like synth pop records started taking more of an interest, like a more serious interest in DJing around like the early nineties. But this is kind of the mobile DJ crew. Yes. W- what was your uncle
0: teaching you? I your well, o- well, My
1: uncle was just kind of like a bedroom DJ. He was a music head. Okay. Like he raised me on like all the new wave and, you know, synth pop stuff. You know, he had a set of turntables and a realistic mixer at the house. And eventually when he moved out, he handed it down to me. And so I had one turntable, a tape deck, and this realistic mixer, and I was just kind of fending for myself and learning things, you know. Do you still have that co- mixer, by the way? No. Uh, I wish I did. Yeah it, yeah, would, yeah. it would be right there on the shelf. Nice, dude. Um, so. my, my homie took it apart. <laughs> <and> <laughs> Never put it back together. Never put it back together. <laughs> and like, he, we did, we've he, didn't, he didn't know a good way to tell me about it. He's like, I, my guy your mixer. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, like, like, I ruined did it. Did you make a bomb out of my shit? <laughs> no? like, yeah. So anyway, um. My brother was in a dance group. Dito? Dino. Oh, shout out Dino. Yeah, ah. he was in a dance group. He was in a couple dance groups. He was in wow. this group called Crazy Legs. Okay. And he was in a group called Mystic Movements. Okay. And, um,. With the dance scene, there was also the mobile DJ scene, which was you know hand in hand. Like the, they'd be doing the same functions together. Was it like a hip hop thing or yeah. like, like a four elements hip hop thing? Yeah. Well, it was. It, it wasn't like a hardcore b boy thing. And I don't like think it was like on you know like pushing hip hop culture. It was just like the mobile scene. It was racing cars, dance groups, and the mobile DJ scene. And they all would kind of like overlap. Yeah, yeah. Because you know they would have DJ and dance battles at car shows. <laughs> Wow! Everyone who you know were in these mobile crews also had you know like import racers and things like that. So it was like it was just like the sort of like uh, the Asian American culture in the Bay Area was cars,
0: dancing and. and a a DJ. Yeah. This is like the bedrock of San Jose 408 DJ culture. Yes. And it wasn't in like hip hop. It was more just kind of like Asian culture and kind of...
1: Yeah. It was was rooted in hip hop. Yeah. But but it was also like just as much as they would throw down like a really dope hip hop set, they would do like a whole slow jam mix. Wow. Mixed with hip hop beats. Like four track mixes where they would... Do a slow jam mix and then just mix beats under those. What?
0: Yeah. Like on like the way like Ron G and- Yeah.
1: Like double time. Like they'll be playing like jive rhythm 127 under uh, Brenda K-Star, I still believe. So
0: an, like an 80s acapella and then playing like an eight like an electro beat. Under Not an
1: even beat. an acapella. Like they would just run the track and then
0: put beats under them. Yo, I got to hear this shit. So it'd it's be like, like, like a double time, like a booty bass beat or like an electro beat or over like a Atlanta slow jam. Or like Atlanta bass that we know. Right. Wow. Right. So that was kind of part of it. So yeah. then as, so then as a, this is now, and you, this, we're down into the 90s and you're like starting to DJ by yourself. Yeah. What else is happening DJ wise in San Jose in general?
1: Um, there were DJ battles at this place called Dynamic Sound and Lighting on Second Street, which still exists. Okay. This is where I was seeing people like DJ Quest and Realm and D-Styles and remedy and like you know all the people that i'd seen battle at that time like for the first time at this battle at dynamic sounds and uh i guess it had been around for a while i just heard d styles talking about it recently like i guess it went as far back as like a few years before that i started going maybe in like 94 95. that's when i started to see djs from frisco like quest that's when i started like hearing about kubert and shortcut and you know all these guys mix mike like
0: Apollo. Was there like a dominant DJ at the time? Like who was like he or she or they were like the ones that were like the number one selector in town? Was it
1: uh, in San Jose? Yeah, in San um, Jose. It's always been EJ to me
0: dj ej yeah
1: there was a lot of great djs but ej was always like because he was the child prodigy at the time okay he was super young he was like a crazy young buck like he was like maybe like 13 12 like younger than a track yeah let's say yeah 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 okay and he was like you know rolling with like his whole mobile crew was like his older brother and his friends that were like 18 19 years old and they had this child prodigy ej who eventually became a member of the finger bangers oh fuck yeah (laughs) shout out to ej um Uh Once I started taking an interest in DJing, I was watching him. Like, I was going over his apartment. He taught me how to use a four-track. He had all these different mixers. He had those little Stanton Vestax uh, tricks mixers with the little short throw faders. He was, like, the first person I ever saw with one of those things. He had, like, two, three of them. He had all the records. Like, I just would go over to his house and record records. You'd dub that on tape. Yeah. And, you know, after a while, he was just like, yo, you want me to make you a mix? I'm like, yeah, I fucking love a mix. And I was watching him make
0: this mix on a four-track real quick for our listeners that don't know or don't remember a four track is basically i think i talked about it before it's like the analog version of a computer program like april or garage band it's literally four channels you put in a cassette, like a high quality cassette and you can mix four channels at once or a dip. you know, you can overdub. Just, you can overdub stuff. You can rewind, rewind and overdub. But it was very, a very manual experience. Like yes. there's no, you can't copy and paste like you have to do everything. Very kinda, hands on. Yeah, you learn the hard way. Yeah. So EJ was the guy and yeah. then fast forward and you know, you guys started becoming the guys for San Jose. I guess the question that kind of matters to you now and the rest of the finger bangers. Do you see yourself and the rest of the crew as like the ambassadors of San Jose? Yeah. Uh, mm. As far
1: as San Jose DJs go, with the exception of like D Styles and Peanut Butter Wolf, we were among the few that helped push the the art form. What do you mean by that? We started doing team battles. We're doing multi-turntable routines. Uh, we started doing scratch production stuff. You know, like producing music. You know, incorporated with scratching and, you know, using scratching to make whole compositions. And you know, nobody we'd known before w- was doing anything like that in
0: San Jose. In San Jose. So you don't but, take this duty of like we have San Jose in our back. We need to represent San Jose. No,
1: it- I felt like it was another phase of what we were growing up listening to, which was these four-track mixes. It was essentially the same idea but we were using less of the song using little, you know milliseconds of songs versus you know mixing whole songs together and layering them together it was just an extension of what we had learned using four track recorders so it was the, just
0: the joy of making good art as opposed to the joy of like we have San Jose on our back we're going to bring yeah, San Jose to nah, the, rest of I the mean, world I mean
1: we like we we were always you know proud to you know represent San Jose but we never tried to box ourselves in locally like oh yeah we're the kings of San Jose like no we're trying to fucking be heard by the whole
0: world yeah or who wants to hear
1: yeah and it's always, you know, it's, it's always going to be the case where your hometown, you know, catches on last.
0: Okay. You know? Let's talk about that because I feel that's something that I think kind of happens to a lot of artists regardless of genre or era. They're, sometimes our hometown is the last ones to catch. The care. last ones to catch on. Did yeah. it bother you at one point? Or No, not at all. Real quick, I see you guys. I felt like you guys had a lot of love in San Jose. We did. We did. Or and we still do. I mean, yeah. No,
1: you know, we did and we do. But at that time when we were still experimenting, you know, and learning how to scratch and, you know, juggle and all this stuff. We never really, you know, went into it like, oh, we're going to be the dopest in San Jose, you know. And like even early on, like as the finger bangers, we were already kind of worldly. Like, you know, like we were doing shows with the X-Men and the B-Junkies and, you know, like you are thinking beyond. Yeah,
0: you can be on your Erica. You're thinking the globe. Yeah.
1: I mean, of course, we wanted to, you know, like make our hometown proud. We wanted to make, you know, our local Bay Area scene proud because this is this was the Mecca. This is the Mecca. Everybody caught on early on, like Hubert and all them, like, yeah. you know, uh, STA, uh, Rest in Peace, Swift Rock. All those guys caught on really early. They were like, yo, these kids are where it's at. This is yeah. the future right here. That got us to a wider platform because that was around the time ITF started happening. San Jose, it was one of those things where, like, you know, of course, the people who were into DJing and, like, our direct friends, you know, which collectively we had a lot of. They knew what we were doing. They, you know, they rode with us, but it wasn't until maybe like the whole thing with Jabberwockies that the city of San Jose started to catch up.
0: It took that long? Yeah. Because you guys were doing Music Machine, you guys were winning battles, you guys were putting out mixes and music, and and, and until this random- I'm talking
1: like people outside of the hip hop scene, outside of the club scene. Like I'm talking about like, you know, like City Hall. Okay, and you well, know, I mean, okay, the that, that library system. Like, I mean, I'll be
0: real; that doesn't sound too bad. But I, I thought you were talking like actual music heads. That, yeah. oh, but they were already down with you. People bad. who
1: didn't even listen to hip hop, like they knew that there were these kids that were like pushing this art form. Yeah,
0: that doesn't sound so bad. I, no. I, thought, I thought it was just like, yeah, like your 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 friends didn't listen to your music. Oh, that that kind. Of yeah, stuff. no, no, no. So it's, now we're, we're talking. About we've people. always had a, a
1: lot of love and support from all of our peers, and uh-huh. you know, and eventually the music head, from the yeah, everybody. Yeah. Like everybody embraced us. We still didn't know what we were doing. We were still experimenting. Mm -hmm. But they knew that it was kind of on the edge of what was going on. So I was like, shit, you got to respect it.
0: Yeah. So beyond like just your talent, but I think did just the kind of the, I guess, the cultural makeup of San Jose nightlife and San Jose in general, did that kind of maybe help you a lot? Because in my head, I think uh, to give kind of people context, as you described... The kind of average person in San Jose and the type of people that go to average clubs. Cause I think it's it's very distinct. It's and it's very different than San Francisco and Oakland and mm-hmm. other cities. Um, what is your take of the average person that was going out when you guys were coming, or even now?
1: When we were coming up, it was you know just you know local San Jose people like work during the day, go out and party at night. Like mm-hmm. it was weekend you know, warriors to be weekend warriors. Be lazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tech wasn't a huge thing here just yet. Like yeah. young people weren't working for tech at the time. It was a melting pot. Of people like we, you know, Latinos and Latinas, and Asians, and you know, white folks, black folks. Yeah, everybody. I,
0: not to interrupt, but that was one thing I loved about coming to San Jose. It was a diversity that I didn't see in San Francisco of all places. Yeah. I remember going to clubs and seeing not just black folks, like Ethiopian folks, mm-hmm. uh, Indian, Southeast Asian folks, white people, black people, kind of partying all together. And it was very, it's kind of blue collar. Yeah, which is. You know, I yeah, San
1: Jose was very blue collar.
0: Okay, and do you think the timing of that, when you guys were coming up, and the population still being blue collar, was also was they worked hand in hand?
1: Yeah, so okay. for sure. But we were also on the verge of technology, Silicon Valley, like becoming what it is now. So when we were, you know, producing music and stuff like that, that's when like Adobe started to come into the picture, and like you know, and the technological rise of San Jose and Silicon Valley, I would say played a small component in our music in the success. Mm, well, I mean, you know, we were getting cool corporate gigs that paid pretty well. Um, we were, you know, doing performances at Apple and, you know, they were paying us insane gobs amount of money just to scratch for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, getting involved with like San Jose Taiko, which, you know, has a rich history in San Jose culture and, you know, in Japanese culture in general. Doing a collaboration with them that lasted over 10 years. Mm-hmm playing at these art galleries, playing at the San Jose Museum of Art like every week, doing, you know, happy hours there. Uh, Shout-outs to Anno Domini, uh, their independent gallery here in San Jose. We're
0: still still going, still pushing the art. So uh, we can kind of say that the first wave of technology was good for you in San Jose. Yeah, because there was a
1: lot of art happening too. Art and technology was budding in the early 2000s.
0: That's so weird because usually in most places dealing with gentrification, me being from San Francisco, right. they're at, at odds. Exactly. So somehow they could kind of both flourish at the same time and you could both benefit from yeah. A and B. And they were. Yeah, they, but now... It was a beautiful time. is Now with the past few years in San Jose, can the same be said or is it definitely... Mm. It's, it's, it's almost like San Francisco in a way. It's,
1: it's like San Francisco where you have these transplants that are just kind of like down to like go to the barcade. And, you know, here a cheesy cover band, they'll have like amazing DJs play at this bar, but nobody cares. No one knows the pedigree of this DJ and like what they're playing. Like they're just like out trying to drink and, you know.
0: But isn't that kind of, I mean, not to play devil's advocate, but isn't it just kind of just like gen pop in general? Nice yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah because I, I think I wanted to ask because, you know, in previous interviews, like with Jay Boogie and, and, you know, even myself, my first time experience, technology brought gentrification to San Francisco and gentrification brought a completely different club patron mm-hmm. and very similar also not just club patrons but certain artists and djs had to leave or go to oakland or other cities or mm-hmm. certain clubs were shutting down yep. is that uh is a gentrification of san jose is it shutting down venues or opening up venues or
1: a lot of venues have been opening up okay the presence of the dj is starting to kind of like not play as much of a part as it used to okay. mainly because they don't care like they they have a a barcade here uh mini boss. Uh, shout out to them. They're a dope business. My my homie's a manager there, but they don't have DJs there because they can't, and they also kind of don't need them.
0: Okay, so we're know? we're kind of a little expandable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in San Jose. Yeah. So it's not like the er, it's no, not the erasure th- that happens in SF, but it's almost yeah. it's, it's, it, it's not devalued. To say, it's
1: not to say that the culture's dead out here. I mean, we still have Avery. You know. Yeah the golden child nappy yeah they're keeping the culture alive you know they're keeping good music in the nightclubs or
0: interesting music interesting, interesting subculture. Music. yeah i yeah, love yeah. center culture
1: but for the most part i mean you know the club scene is still the same out here yeah, heavy heavy Latin population So now like Latin music Is like huge like, Yeah yeah It's,
0: it's everywhere it's Yeah, It's the shit It's yeah. like That's like the number one genre J Balvin Power Hour Yeah absolutely man <laughs> the Bad follow Bunny follow Bad the, Bunny uh, tribute man. The, 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 the uh, Azuna Azuna Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Azuna Becky G Exactly all dude yeah. All that man And yeah. like
1: I dude, I'm, I'm here for it man Yeah I'm man. here for it yeah. It reminds me of the days of freestyle
0: Yeah Oh wow I've yeah. never connected those ideas Between yeah, yeah. freestyle had, for, music uh, and, uh, San Jose was a
1: hotbed For freestyle music Oh That came directly Directly from Lisa Lisa. So when I was touring with the Jabbawockees, we were doing this uh, two day festival in Maui and we stayed at a resort. Jabbawockees, Lisa Lisa and Angel from the Cover Girls. I got to like sit and have dinner with Lisa Lisa and I told her I was from San Jose and she's like, honey, I used to spend so much time out there. Like I used to, you know, Studio 47, blah, 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 like naming all these clubs that I dreamed about going to when I was like nine, ten years old my mind was blown I was like wow like, I, I knew that San Jose was a hotbed okay. that was part of our upbringing but to hear it from one of the queens of freestyle music was like that was like reassuring
0: yeah because it was mainly enjoyed by Latino yeah. and like, I had to like share brown it. people like yeah. Latino Filipinos are in San Jose yes and
1: I, 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 this was the early days of social media and I shared it with her I was like yo San Jose listen up uh-huh. Lisa Lisa has slapped us with the official badge
0: uh-huh. of
1: like freestyle music. Like we are one of the m- main meccas of freestyle music well, coming from
0: Lisa Lisa herself. They have it. Opening podcast everybody. Podcasts, everybody. No. <laughs> 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 Damn. Yeah. You know, I never connected those dots that the reggaeton, like Latin, the current, what's happening in Latin music and, and how it overlaps urban music is like the son of freestyle music. Cause yeah. you think about it, the, the kids that enjoy, you know, the bad bunnies, they're, Tito, Tita Abuela, their, their dad, Vee Stevie V, they were Santa going Wendez. to leave. Yeah. 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 Wow. I mean,
1: because you, you, um, freestyle was a byproduct of electro and disco, which, you know, had a huge Latin hold. You know, there were so many b-boys and, you know, like yeah. artists that, you know, were Latin that were, you know, pushing these genres. But it was also a part of Asian culture, too. So... A lot of Asians around here love reggaeton. They love, <laughs> you know, they, they love cumbia. Like, it's, I love it. I yeah. never thought about this, yeah. man. I mean, the beat is undeniable. When you hear reggaeton, the, you, you're not going to not move to it. Yeah. Or oh, you're not you going to notice it. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're aware of it. Yeah. You're
0: subconsciously shaking your hips to it. You don't even know it. Yeah. You know? I was in El Salvador when gasolina dropped. Ouch. And like every oh. place I went, every, I'm talking taxis on the street, the family parties we had, we'd be out in the countryside at Ocean's. Gasoline. It was just constant, and then you just hear it, and like whatever. You, next I mean, thing you know, you're gasolina. like you're just like nodding yeah. along, and yeah. it's nasty. it's, it's yo know, it's about coming. Yeah, yeah. By the way, people that don't speak Spanish, uh, the song is about coming, right? Yeah, more about, it, taking it to the face. Wow. All right, or right. right. yeah. we could like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Pivoting from taking it in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned it earlier in the conversation, like when I you know picked you as an artist, I think of you as a DJ's DJ. Cool. Now, thanks. I always thought of you as the same too. Okay, and yeah. this is the thing, and this is kind of why I it because I want the answers for myself. I've come to terms with that. I say I come to terms and I accepted it because it used, used to kind of bother me. Because mm-hmm. I used to think like I put out edits or music, and I go to parties, and more like the edits and and the mixes, and the majority of the people that celebrate it and like it, and I'm super grateful. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. were are always mostly only DJs, and I've yeah. come to terms that's mostly my audience, and that's who enjoys it. Mm-hmm. But it's the me at first. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, why can't just the average person like my music? And I guess that's just my- Did you make it available to the regular person? I mean, it SoundCloud? Yeah. So, it didn't play as
1: much as a role for regular consumers back then as it does now. Yeah.
0: And, and now but I'm embracing it. Now like yeah. now when we do this podcast and I get messaged, you know, let's say I, you know, I get ten messages in a week, eight of those will be from other DJs, the other two from like random creative people. And right. that's you know, I just come to terms. I'd rather have, you know, a bunch of DJs. And music makers enjoy what I do, whatever platform it is. Than having like nobody, absolutely, you know, it could be worse. Yeah. So you're totally okay with saying, "My Ma- majority of my fans are other DJs."
1: I'm all about speaking to who gets me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because it's my, it's my avenue of self-expression. And sometimes the general public doesn't get it. Of course, you know when I'm doing club gigs, I have to, you know, play accordingly.
0: DJing as a service. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So. But, you know, with everything else I do, you know, musically, you know, with production and, you know, like more of like the choice selections that I play as a DJ. I'm speaking to those that feel me when I make T-shirts. I've made a few T-shirts. Uh, this last one did surprisingly well. The head, 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 head. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm speaking to an audience that feels me. And if, if that's five people, I'm playing for five people because like, that's who gets me and that's who I'm playing for. It's like a joke that I'm sharing with a few select people. So I enjoy being a DJ's DJ just because I love the culture so much. And, you know, I love entertaining people, and that's what I do for a living. But there's also another side of me that digs deeper in the crates. Honestly, sometimes I'm trying to impress the DJs, you know? (laughs) When I make a remix, I make them for DJs. Yeah. Just so happens that, you know, regular people like them. But I'm trying to be better about making, you know, my remixes and stuff like that available to the general public. So that your consumer level people can have access to it, not just
0: through DJs. Yeah. Maybe as like a pro tip to myself or the DJs, what's a way that we can go about doing that? Like Spotify.
1: Spotify. Spotify. Streaming services. If you can freak the system and get your remixes on Spotify,
0: okay. then you're already giving it straight to the consumer. Uncle Kutso, can you share some game on that? Because my shit is not on Spotify. I have yet. Post my remixes, okay.
1: <laughs> so I have I have a package of remixes. I'm actually wrapping up um, a remix series, a compilation of some of my remixes. It's called Revisor. It's a collection of some of my more recent remixes, like my Mary J. Blige Joybringer remix, my Jean A uh, Love Sender. So there's a theme, like Love Sender, Joybringer, Revisor. You know, like, and I'm going to be putting that on Spotify in the next three weeks.
0: I'm okay. waiting for these next two albums to kind of breathe a little bit. So by the time people listen to this, it'd already be on there. So you found a little workaround to get things onto Spotify. We'll see. I haven't, like, cro- it <laughs> <laughs> I haven't uploaded yet. I haven't uploaded yet. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right. This could be major. May-
1: maybe, maybe you'll have an update by the time yeah, this Yeah, well, you'll hear it
0: here first. Yeah, Our yeah. job might have to edit this whole thing out. and yeah. So we won't get yeah, it. Yeah, you, you can it.
1: stream those, uh Hopefully remix somewhere. collection because he actually managed to get it on there.
0: Okay. And then, you know, now that we're talking about streaming and another aspect of you, do, like you're kind of a, a polymath to borrowed term that John told me about you kind of do a lot of things and one of them is rebel pop radio yeah so here's the thing I was talking to my boy Case Bloom and DJ Toy mm-hmm. and Case Bloom. yeah man for sure yeah. he said this and I was like "Yo, that's a really good way of saying it is like you know mixes at one point don't really move the needle anymore because it is all about the streaming
1: Miles Medina was over here yesterday, and we were who knows talk- a
0: thing or two about a thing or who two. Who knows a
1: thing about a thing or two? Yeah, we were talking about you know like how it's hard for us to just listen to mixes.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Like I love some- mixes. I, yeah. Sometimes
1: our we're programmed to listen to songs individually because we're trying to ingest them to play okay. as DJs. Okay. So sometimes hearing a mix is kind of like it's a little arduous sometimes. Not to say that I don't listen to my friends' mixes, but you know, there's there's times where you know, like I'll I'll be on a long drive, and that's when I save all the mixes because I don't you know want to have to make playlists and mixes are already done. We were talking about you know like those rare mixes that people care about, like you know that have higher production value than just layering one song over another or you know just like playing one song after the other. When you're layering, you know, little elements and you know like little you know, we were listening to uh, scratch nerds yesterday by uh, craze and clever Scratch Nerd's two in particular on soundcloud and it was like a, a, a scratch
0: mix the the i day. never heard that oh dude as a dude who's into scratching and production you think i'd be into
1: it's it? really dope because it's i mean it mostly consists of like beats from craze and clever
0: oh they're producing it yeah okay.
1: but um they do like little things like he, he does like a little juggle with uh um don't 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 do 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 don't, 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 don't Miami, florida night train Okay. So he doesn't juggle with Night Train. But like the whole mix consists of, most of the mix consists of their own beats and just them scratching like little things here And and there. Those are the things that DJs. Uh, appreciate
0: that. Yeah. That out.
1: Or and then we started talking about like Spin Bad's mixes. Like, oh yeah, Casbah mixes. Are, yeah, very um, well crafted.
0: And that. So we're. So you, you. and maybe other DJs out there listening. That's the thing that really gets our your collective engines going. Like, oh, it's it's detailed. It's it's super. Yeah. It's something that higher
1: production value than normal.
0: So so just listening to a mix for yourselves isn't good. Well, I think Case's point is that like most people don't listen to mixes now because Spotify and even Pandora like the playlist the the station is like the dominant way of doing it Right. so my whole point I was talking about Rebel Pop Radio is Rebel Pop Radio doing a terrestrial and also an app based radio show are those kind of at odds with what you're doing yourself as a DJ because you're kind of limiting the mix but at the same time you're not like I just kind of like like oh this guy does an online radio show, but it's like a corporate radio at the same time, yeah. which kind of I mean, goes against the mixtape. You're kind of playing both sides of the fence, do you think? Or
1: No, no, no. Because, I mean, it's, you know, we're running a specialty mix show that airs on commercial radio. Mm-hmm. We don't even post the episodes online. We leave it up to our guest DJs to post their mixes on their own forums.
0: I have three, by the way. Check me out. Sound on Mixcloud. Look up King Most on Mixcloud and look for his Rebel Pop mix. So it's so funny because, like, when the era where everything is kind of literally documented and saved and uploaded, these things air, they, they air, and they go into the ether. And that's yeah, it.
1: yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, finite. I'll I'll post select mixes that I've done, like ones that I'm happy with, because I do my mixes live every week. Uh-huh. Like I just one take. Yeah. If I fuck up, I fuck up. Yeah. I go in post editing and like try to clip it out. Yeah. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I like how the look on your face, like you know, yeah, 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 yeah. But I usually leave it up to our guests to post it on their own forums, so you know they can gain some juice <laughs> off of it, and you know, because we like airing the episode. You know, for people to hear, like we'll get you know messages from people like, I was in an Uber on my way to my second gig, and I was listening to your mix, and mm-hmm. the shit was tight, and you know, like we'll get like you know little like, IG stories of people like in their yeah Uber, like, or in their car like ah, cuts those on the radio What's yeah up? or What's truth, up Live? truth Live yeah yeah What's up Q, Live you know or yeah. basic
0: or Miles yeah so. How okay? I think a lot of people know that how on air DJ is how they start. They start as interns, they move up, and or a, a bevy of things that kind of get them there. Yeah. But how does a DJ for DJ f- listening? How do they break into becoming a mixed radio DJ? How did you? I mean, how does, What's your story with that? Well, I mean, I was brought into it by Truth Live. He had gotten, you know, uh,
1: the show on the strength of his, you know, his his club DJing and like, you know, like he's he's always been tied in with the industry like through, you know, because he used to rap. And so he's always had, you know, close ties with, you know, people at, you know, KML 94.9. And when they were looking for a specialty mix show, he pitched uh, Rebel Pop Radio as a specialty mix show that covered, you know, club culture and like what's happening in clubs, which, you know, you weren't really hearing a lot of on the radio at the time, especially commercial radio. When he got the green light for that, he hit me up and he was like, "Yo, I want you to be my co-host. I want you to be my co-pilot?" And I was like, "Hell yeah!" Like I didn't have to like you know like do any like intern work or anything like that. And I guess like some people had caught some vapors from that.
0: Oh, um, so that that was kind of a little taboo, like jumping yeah. in the intern and yeah, because uh, is I'm that not, the digital route for getting on the air? As a I mix mean, DJ? a lot
1: a lot of people bust their asses as interns mm-hmm. to even like you know get one mix spot on a mix show, you know. Whereas we were brought in just, you know, on the strength of our juice of the club scene already. Okay. I didn't have to do any, like, you know, dirty groundwork. So, that yeah, some people caught feelings from that.
0: But that is traditional route for people that yeah. went against it. Yeah, sure and,
1: you didn't. know, I'm not knocking, you know, anyone who, who has put in the, the, no, the groundwork. Because, yeah. I mean,
0: that's hard work, man. You're an intern. They treat you like shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're a gopher. You yeah, know? yeah. You're doing anything except DJing.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you know. All of us involved with Rebel Pop, you know, we already had, you know, our footing in the club scene and, you know, we were vouched for by a lot of DJs that were already on the radio. And I'm sure they already knew who you were. Yeah. And, they, yeah. you know, like they like I had like, you know, different DJs had tried to get me on different stations for years and I had kind of resisted because I was like, well, I don't want to be one of those DJs that has to play off of a playlist every week.
0: And is that, is that part of the mechanics of having a mix show? or not rebel pop not rebel pop not okay. rebel pop so this, so this whole process is kind of like an anomaly for you okay? yes it's not it's it's its own thing
1: yes so basically after midnight they stop raiding meaning like who's listening how many people like FCC and you know like Nielsen, Nielsen. Okay. yeah they stop raiding at midnight okay so after midnight that's why they have like you know like your deep house mix shows and mm. you know like street soldiers
0: for out here things like or that so, yeah. yeah 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 like okay. after
1: hours specialty shows so basically they hand us the keys to the house like here you're on after midnight. Keep it clean. Keep it upbeat.
0: Don't burn Do it down. What you want? Yeah, don't burn it down. <laughs> so there's freedom. Yeah, dude, there was freedom from day one. So if you think about, it, you might have more freedom in corporate radio than at a nightclub. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and that's why we've hung on a rebel pop radio because, because
0: radio it's an outlet. Yeah, most DJs or people that are, are connoisseurs of subcultures, they think radio is the devil. They're the worst thing that. But this is the we're act. the antithesis of that. Wow. You did not, you got it made, bro? And that's why and that's why
1: people that's and that's why we've had a lot of like DJs that we respect and peers that we respect, like yeah, wanting to do sets low. for us. You had like really big names on it. Yeah, we you know we've had a lot of really big guests on there, like and just people that we consider big. Yeah. You know?
0: Other DJs, DJs.
1: Yeah, other DJs, DJs, exactly. And like, you know, us as club DJs, where our fingers are on the pulse of what's happening in clubs. Yeah. You have Truth Live, who plays for big rooms. Yeah. You have me who plays for more specialty, you know, like smaller things, mm-hmm. but like, you know, like kind of more underground. Uh, you have Q, who's like deep in the remix culture of things. He's an award winning remixer. You know, he has a lot of like major label placements. So, like, we're covering all sides of the game. You know, I'm also the resident turntablist, so you're going to hear the most scratching on my mixes. Um, some of the people I bring on are like hardcore hip hop DJs that, you know, play club music. We're really trying to expose what's out there and where the level of DJing is right now.
0: Yeah. Dude, thank you for that. Because yeah. thank you for having me as a guest, but also thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, John, we need a set from you, yeah, man. Yeah, we did John is a Stank Palmer mix. Yeah, yeah, man.
1: We need, the, we, need this, we need some Stank Palmer blessings, man.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so this is kind of like your way. You get to go deep, too, yeah. man. So this is kind of funny. Like, you would think corporate clear channel radio yeah. is the most kind of democratic, communal thing that you have that a lot of people might have you think about. Yeah, it. corporate radio is known to have,
1: you know, their clutches on tight.
0: Yeah, but they toss not for this. the keys And they're like, yo, we trust you because you
1: guys do so well in your scene that we feel like that'll translate well on the radio.
0: And here we are five years later. Yeah, yeah, that's, dude, you know what? You know, again, like being a guest and listening to the mixes when when people repost it, as close as I've been to what you're talking about, I never thought about that. And I have this like newfound love and respect for you and what you guys are doing. Thanks, man. So, yeah, no,
1: that's and that's what keeps us going.
0: Uh-huh.
1: There's weeks where we, you know, don't feel like doing a mix. <laughs> it's like fuck. I just want to let's just run a rerun.
0: Yeah, hit up Miguel, basic, and he'll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's
1: what's what's Miguel doing today? Yeah, you, I'm you sure go. he's down to do a mix. Yeah, but then there'll always be one song that's like that comes out that week, or that one song that you get from another DJ, or you download it from somewhere, and you're like, damn. I know like five songs that will go well with this. I'm and that's gonna fifteen minutes right. I'm there. gonna do my mix for Rebel Pop. Fuck it, you yeah, know. Yeah, and, and there you go. And there you go.
0: Everybody has to do the mix, you know. So Dude, that's really brilliant. Like I said, I, that's not the first thing I think of about the show, but I'm glad. Yeah. So you mentioned Truth Live, and, and you mentioned the word big room, and also we're talking about big corporate radio. Yeah. I think that made me think about the question. I think this is to me such a another way we know each other, another touchstone, is your time in Las Vegas. Oh yeah <laughs> weird time <laughs> yeah you yeah. were right there with me uh, a little bit yeah you, know, you were we, like
1: living in a dj flop house at the time weren't you like kind oh of
0: uh, henderson yeah yeah, a bit, yeah. shout out Anthony valdez i'll save that for the hendo, hendo gang oh god dude hendo so and this is uh you know on the past shows like you know sunny james and excel and morse code these are all artists from philadelphia or san francisco and they take the big leap and they go to los angeles and yeah. I, I think to me that's something I can never do, like take a very comfortable position and saying, you know, no, fuck that. I'm going to go big. Yeah. And you had this, you know, very, I guess, cushy space in San Jose. Mm-hmm. They said, fuck it. I'm going to go for Las Vegas. Tell me everything about it. Because I'm sure a lot of listeners that want to do that or have done that. And maybe they can compare notes with you. This was around 2011. 2011 to 2013. Okay, so a good two years. Good Two, 24 two three years. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I was in a weird relationship, and my girlfriend at the time had to move to L.A. to help save the family business. It was a sinking ship, and she needed to go down there to save the business. I decided, you know, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to move to L.A. anyway. Like, why not make it happen now? At that time, there wasn't really much going on in L.A. Low-end theory was happening, but it's not what it is today. Like the DJ scene, they were sort of in a gray area at that time, too. You could talk to any of the... It was in know, a lull, right? It was kind of in a lull. It was like post-bottle service, right? It was in the middle of bottle service. Because okay. that's when, you know, in Vegas, everyone was trying to get big room gigs. Okay. I went to L.A. for a little while, lived in Pomona, tried to get, you know, some gigs in L.A., but there wasn't a lot happening. A lot of homies were just kind of like hanging by their fingernails to their residencies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, me trying to come in and, you know... I didn't want to step on anyone's toes, so I was like, fuck, okay. Well, I started traveling back to the Bay to do, you know, make ends meet and, you know, do more gigs and stuff. Again, I was in a weird relationship, so I needed a lot of space. So I would, you know, take the bus or, you know, fly back and forth to uh, L.A. and San Jose and play gigs in San Francisco, Oakland, and then come back to L.A. for a week and help work at this restaurant.
0: Whoa, whoa, So you're also working at a restaurant. That was
1: my girlfriend's business at the time. And you were helping out. Yeah, I was helping out. And so we broke up eventually, and it was around that time that I reconnected with uh, Cricket Oh, DJ yeah, Cricket. Shout out to her, yeah. She was already DJing for uh, Insert Coins, <laughs> the barcade. And she was like, yo, we'd love to get you in there. And like, Tracy had been trying to get me in there before that.
0: Oh, shout out to Tracy. Yeah, yeah OG right there. Yeah, Tracy P, what's
1: up? Uh-huh. So finally, you know, like 88 was like, yeah, bring him in. DJ 88. Yeah. She's like, let's bring him in. And so I joined the roster. Uh huh. And this is also when you were doing Sayers Club. Yeah, at a, with, with SLS. Anthony, yeah, yeah, with yeah and with Anthony Valdez. With Anthony Valdez. Shout out to Anthony Valdez, man. Yeah. And... That was a weird time, too, because, you know, it was like... I was trying to, you know, get into like marquee and hoping to do some, you know, like kind of side room gigs. Sexy bottle service club. Gig. Something, you know, because yeah. I, I didn't know where I was at that time. Oh, so did
0: you move to Las Vegas at this point? I moved to Las Vegas. Yeah, so after the LA thing didn't yeah, pan out. Yeah. After
1: the LA thing didn't pan out, I moved to Vegas because, you know, Cricket had just moved into this big house and she's like, yo, we got like two extra bedrooms. You want to move in? I'm and, like, yeah. and Brandon
0: in Las Vegas is like $50 a month.
1: $250. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. For like a
0: five bedroom house. Yeah, with, with, a, a pool, with a pool. Garage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing. Is that what causes people to go and try out Vegas? like it costs literally nothing to the go. it costs a
1: living yeah cuz i mean all you have to do is wake up and dj
0: okay you know some real fuckboy shit yeah. fu- real some real fuckgirl <laughs> shit
1: the, yeah yeah i
0: mean we were all in it that's what we were doing and is know? there a camaraderie with the people that are trying to make it in Vegas? or is it very cutthroat or uh, it was elitist it was very- there were, there, it
1: was elitist because, I mean, there was people that had been there for a while that weren't trying to hear these new kids, you know, like these downtown kids or whatever, like downtown, like playing in downtown was kind of like a scourge.
0: It wasn't cool yet. It wasn't cool yet. Yeah. It wasn't the Brooklyn or the Mission. Right. right. It was now it's cool. They
1: built a scene out there. Yeah. You know, since the time I left, they have built a whole like art scene in, in downtown. Yeah. yeah. And cricket is like definitely on the forefront of that.
0: Yeah, for sure. With the fashion, you know. So you and all that, you went so. from a good life out here to L. A. didn't work out, and you kind of go like you know I'm just gonna try my luck in Las Vegas. At yeah. time where, unless you were like a big room ball service DJ, you're basically in no man's land.
1: Yeah, doing Cosmopolitan was a big deal for me, because that was getting me closer to like a marquee. Yeah, you're in. You're something.
0: in. Yeah, you're you know? in the fishbowl now. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, got my foot in the door. Okay.
1: But. I was on autopilot, man. Like, I was just basically just playing for the casino. Like, okay. you know, eventually... But isn't that what you came to Vegas for? Not to be devil's advocate again, but isn't that why you went there? I went there to see how far I could take it.
0: If, if I could actually make it to the lounge and eventually to the big room. But but you understood you'd have to play, like, some big, like, the Calvin Harris tracks. And right. Like Dead Mouse, and, and that's where I was
1: conflicted. And that's wow. what kept me on the lower... What they considered the lower tier. But, like, this downtown scene was the only place in Vegas where DJs can be DJs. We weren't getting paid like insane gobs amount of money, but we were having fun DJing together. We would do two by fours at Insert Coins like every night. Yeah. Commonwealth was just opening and, oh yeah, yeah you know, yeah. we would do Commonwealth every
0: now and so then. So again, i have to stop you there, but I think that's that's a very interesting take. And I know this you went to Vegas to become the big room DJ. Like I'm going to Vegas and go balls out and do that thing. But you're like. Because I knew I could do it you still weren't trying to do that you were you were like you wanted to dip, maybe just dip your toe as opposed to jumping in once i learned the extent of it the extent meaning what
1: like that i had to play just that just bottle oh, service just okay. edm uh-huh. like hip-hop was not allowed at that time it was yeah. taboo yeah at that it was time. funky
0: it was a fucked up time yes
1: yeah. that's where i was conflicted i was like i don't think i can play edm like for that long in a night i don't even like edm like i yeah. There's nothing I like about it. Yeah. And was know? that
0: kind of a rude awakening? Did it really kind of yeah. fuck you up? Yeah. That was a real... Yeah, like,
1: I just felt so like shattered. And I was just like, fuck, what am I going to do? And then I started playing in downtown more with, with them. And like, you know, they they were letting us, you know, like be ourselves. Yeah, play, we, yeah we were playing hip hop and r you know? and B, And
0: I was playing like early, like boom, baton, like yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I would bro- see
1: you guys over at Sayers. Oh, yeah. We were just doing, doing with the, doing the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, my God. That that
0: whole thing is a whole other episode. But anyways, so then you kind of had this rude awakening. When was enough enough for you in Las Vegas?
1: I had gone back to the Bay, because I was going back to the Bay every couple weeks to do gigs. Mm -hmm. And I had submitted a video to 3Style. I wanted to enter Mm 3Style. And so I did my video. I went back home for a couple weeks. And... I got a rejection letter from Red
0: Bull. Well, at least they sent you a rejection That's very nice of them. They also sent me a
1: four pack of Red Bulls.
0: <laughs> here, as you're crying, stay at <laughs> Yeah, up the yeah, night. yeah, here, here. <laughs> here, kid. Have some energy while you're fucking crying, crying yeah. yourself to as sleep. As your world shatters around you, here's yeah. some wings. <laughs>
1: yeah, go <laughs> practice, you know? <laughs> I was shattered by that, too. But that same day, that same day, I got the email from Truth Live saying, hey, I just got the green light for this new show. I want you to be my Mm co-pilot. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do it. That same week, Uh that same week, I got a call from Lyrics Born. He was like, would you like to do a bunch of shows with me? (laughs) Yeah, sure. And I basically abandoned Vegas. Like, I was still paying rent, but I wasn't coming back. I paid maybe like four months of rent before I was like, guys, I think I'm gonna be staying in the Bay now. I got these crazy opportunities.
0: So it wasn't like mm. you came home defeated. You came home with a purpose because I think Sonny James in the episode from season two, he was like, yeah, I just threw a going party, and I'd be Dan if I like, oh yeah, I know I just did a going party, but I'm back. Yeah, I didn't do work some out. So here. you didn't feel like that. You didn't have that shame that maybe. I mean, I'm not saying you would have it, but maybe some people would feel embarrassed about. It. You were yeah. like, I, I was a
1: nomad. Yeah, I, I was already going between the Bay, between L.A., between yeah, Vegas. Yeah, I still see you. Yeah. So it wasn't like you know, like I was like, "Hey guys, I'm, um, this is my last hurrah <laughs> in Vegas." Like, hey, everybody. Yeah. It was After gr- paying four months of rent, I was just like, "Hey guys, I don't think I'm coming back." So it was a gradual. Thing. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I started touring more consistently with LB, with Lyrics Born. I uh, started doing Rebel Pop at the same time I had done a bunch of like out of town gigs like I went to Arizona for a week and DJed oh, yeah. there with Dump the Yeah okay. with La Rock Yeah with Domp and uh okay. you know Tricky T and Pixter and all the homies out there Some real DJ DJs we were talking DJ about. DJs Yeah <laughs> Straight up man shout out to everyone in fucking Phoenix Yeah and I was traveling around and I had this it was like a new career almost Cuz suddenly I was a tour DJ I was a radio DJ and before that I was just a club DJ trying to find
0: my place in Las Vegas Yeah Wow, you fucking! Won- I love this.
1: It's crazy. Like the universe. Like I, I feel so blessed. And I was having lunch with Nick Knack. He's visiting from. Austin. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, just today. Yeah.
1: I was telling. I was like, anytime I would feel like the game was spitting me out, I would try to exit the game quietly. But there would always be an opportunity that would like kind of lasso me back in. Yeah, and actually, always.
0: When you posted that recently, post on Instagram, uh, you come up from playlist and you said the exact same thing, and that's what prompted me to say. I need to reach out to Cutso, not only because we're just boys and I yeah. think I asked you to do it season one and it didn't happen, but it yeah, yeah. was that thing that said, I was ready to quit. Mm-hmm. I was ready to walk away. I mean, talk about that. I mean, cause I think that's some real shit, especially as we're getting older and, and our lives are changing and transitions happen. You really thought of many a time that the first time it happened, you're ready to quit. I get quit. burnt
1: out, man. I get burnt out. I just started this new job working with my local NBC affiliate, working for the news, And, you know, I've always had a passion for journalism. I I was a journalism major in college. And I've always wanted to work for this particular station. So I started working for them earlier in the year. And I was kind of like, you know, just hustling gigs, like doing weddings and dreading them what i was i, I was
0: uh, shout out her my rich fedina another fe- fellow wedding dj but you just you dread the weddings i was dreading them because yeah, it was yeah, like i know how well, well that's the
1: thing because <laughs> it's like i know how easy it is
0: <laughs> yeah man. but
1: like just the anxiety leading up to it i have like weird anxiety
0: okay and a well, little self-care might help you that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and right. you
1: know i've been learning a lot about that lately good good and um yeah and just you know hustling for gigs like week after week the grind. i was just like fuck like I don't know how much longer I can do this. I don't even love music right now. Like, there's nothing that's speaking to me. Like, this whole year has been a drought for me until like Hot Girl Summer happened. <laughs> then I was like, I'm here for that, you know. <laughs>
0: but by the time this airs, it uh, we'll also have Hot Girl Summer, and then we yeah. also have uh, Hot Boy Autumn. Is Actually, soon. I saw Hot Girl Autumn.
1: Yeah, no. I'm mad. I think
0: about that earlier. No. Hot Girl Autumn. Autumn. T H O T U M N. How you how you want to spell? Thoughts on um, however you want to spell it, man. Yeah. So the combination of the grind, hustling, and I remember—I mean, not to brag, and I hope this doesn't bite me in the ass—I'm very lucky for me that the hardest part of my jobs that I get, my DJ gigs, is just answering the email and closing the sale. It's not so much it coming to me; it's more making sure I lock it down. Yeah. But you were tired of the grind because I remember those years. That shit is can really fuck with you, and I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of people listening that they're going through that shit. That fucking grind can really just. Yeah. yeah. It make you question a lot of shit. Dude, we've been in the game for 20 plus years, bro. Yeah. Like, and you just got tired of that. I just, and you like, just got a job. I get tired of it. Yeah. Still. Like, okay. I still
1: get tired of it. But there's always something that hooks me back in and re-inspires me, man. And the universe has a way of knowing when that happens. Which, you know, sounds like mumbo-jumbo to some people, but it's made me a believer. I was about to burn out. And I was at my new job sitting in the parking lot about to go to sleep in the car like i always do because i start work at 4:30 in the morning i sleep on my lunch break at 7 a.m and i was checking my email and i get this you know this email which i thought was just a mailer because i, I subscribed to jazzy Jazz mailer and it says playlist retreat 2019 oh cool like that's coming up i guess i have like a recap video coming out or something i opened up the email just by chance And says, hi, you've been cordially invited to attend the Playlist Retreat 2019. We'll get you back in a couple weeks to arrange your travel. And I was like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. So I had to read it again. And I read it and I was like, oh, my God, I've been invited to Playlist Retreat. I fucking started crying. And the first person I called was Destruct. Derek, I just got invited to Playlist Retreat. He's like, I know, bro. I've been waiting for you to call me about this and (laughs) let me know you got the email. Because, you know, Serato was always involved with playlist retreats. So I was just like, fuck, man, this couldn't come at a better time. Because, you know, I just started this new job. I'm considering, you know, building a career in journalism and, you know, like TV news. And I'm like burnt out and DJing. Nothing is speaking to me musically. And I'm like, "Okay, cool, whatever. Like, this is bullshit. You know, like I'm in a gray area again. And I got these two albums that I'm putting out. So I might have to start concentrating on production more. Once I got that email, I was like, fuck that's the universe again. Like I know the signs now, you know, I can identify them.
0: I'm looking at you right now and just the glint in your eye and the joy in your eye. I hope I don't forget this. The hair on my arms are sticking out. Yo, The genuine joy. It's,
1: It's crazy, dude. Like I will get burnt out pretty often just because I've been doing it for so long and like there'll be times where, you know, I'm just like, I feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again and no one's hearing me. Like I'm just like another cog in the fucking, you know, in the machine. And then something or, you know, someone or, you know, it comes in the form of an opportunity will like pull me out and be like, yo, like you are a little bit better than that. You were put on this earth to do this and you have this different mind and special talent for a reason. There'll be times where I just feel like I'm not using it. I'm not exercising it. But then when you get something like an invite to playlist retreat, it's like it's paying off. Damn, at a time when I felt like I wasn't contributing anything to the game anymore.
0: I uh, don't feel like that, man.
1: But that's the thing. It's like, and that's that's what reminded me, like, hey, like, I still am. I'm still here. You know, I haven't quit the game yet. I was thinking about it, but the universe was listening, and they're like, here go to Delaware four days. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the universe says, go to Delaware. Go to Delaware, <laughs> man. You know?
0: That reminds me of like that Wayne's World where like, hey, I'm, we're in New York. I'm hey, in I'm in Delaware. Because <laughs> <laughs> the universe sent me and oh man, yeah. Dude, thank you for this little segment, man. I, yeah, I think man. what it is, I'm very lucky. I used to feel like that all the time not, and I'm very blessed to not feel like that as much but I know a lot of people feel that way and not yeah. just DJing, music, creativity. They just, why, what am I doing? What am I doing? Everybody. So just, Tell the line, keep the faith. I know world famous artists that feel the same way uh uh-huh. My people hold on, to quote Eddie Ken Yeah. Just, just tell the line. Mm-hmm. We're talking about this great job, and uh, real quick, so it, you work for NBC, and and what is a brief nuts and bolts of what you do at NBC? I'm
1: a production assistant. Okay. I'm low
0: on the totem pole. Okay, well, hey, dude, don't really give up. You no, I'm know. not. I'm not, yeah. yeah. The,
1: the, the, like I said, like you know, I wanted to do it because I wanted something else other than music to focus my energy on.
0: You might be the next Ken Brockman. Or maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So, so you're a production assistant, low on the totem pole. Did yeah. any of your skills from the DJ experience and your music background, did that ever kind of help you or connect to what you're doing?
1: Every morning I'm dealing with live TV. I'm dealing with an audience. If one person fucks up, the whole operation falls apart. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> this is the same thing with performing. With DJing at a club on a normal night, uh, performing with my crew in front of thousands of people. I'm dealing with live TV. I'm dealing with an audience. I'm dealing with other people depending on my role to help this machine move and i kind of like that pressure some days i get really stressed out i've i came down with shingles earlier in the year actually a couple months ago i just overworked myself and came down with a crazy case of shingles but i kind of like that pressure of being part of this machine the pressure of like being on live tv it's like walking a tightrope every day you know, the anxiety, like, gets me out of bed. It makes you feel alive. It does. It does. Uh-huh. It makes me, yeah, like, sometimes I feel numb, and I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, fuck, I have to go direct this show.
0: <laughs> I'm alive. I'm still I'm alive. alive. I'm <laughs> alive, <laughs> you know? yeah. The universe is telling you get <laughs> exactly, your ass out of bed. Yeah, exactly, So the pressure performance, or, which is maybe not so much pressure, it's more just like, I have something to do. Yeah. That totally got you ready it's for it. It's a thrill. Yeah, the thrill. It's like a rush. Yeah, the high. The yeah. high. Yeah, you know. I mean,
1: some days it comes in the form of stress. Okay. And sometimes it comes in the form of shingles. Okay. <laughs> Other
0: times it comes in a little something healthier, like yeah, being L- like satisfaction. Yeah. In what you've done and knowing that you just directed a good show. Is that one of the translatable skills from DJing to the corporate world or to the traditional job world?
1: I mean, yeah, like for me, that's what attracted me to it. You know, just having that same kind of pressure. But, you know, some people kind of like to have like a polar opposite of what they're doing as a job, you know, because, you know, it's an escape from what they normally do. Like DJing is an escape from
0: working in a cubicle all day. That's what a lot of people say, like, oh, I DJ on the side for fun. Right. Or I have a day job. So DJing can still be fun. Yeah. No, I
1: have my side hustle is working for NBC.
0: My main (laughs) job is DJing. (laughs) That's such a mindfuck. Because, yeah, most people say the opposite. Like, it's not an issue of plan A, plan B. It's plan A and plan A. Yeah. Yeah, plan A.5. Yeah. (laughs) Plan AA. You lucky motherfucker, dude.
1: I mean, (laughs) I'm still hustling, man. I'm still hustling for gigs, man. I'm still hustling to get this money. It's, It's not easy to live around here these days.
0: Yeah. So since we're talking about like big picture... I also mentioned your family. We mentioned Dino. And yeah. I know on your social media, you love to share your parents. Yeah. I love that. I'm super close to my parents, too. Yeah. Every time I see somebody share their loved ones, I'm like, oh. So are your parents, I assume they're always supportive of what you do? Or do they have their questions? Or they're like, let, we'll let Paolo be Paolo, and It took be. a while. It took a while. It took a while. But once they started seeing me,
1: you know, reach these accolades in my career, they started to see how serious it was. Once they started seeing me go out there and travel.
0: Was and that was it the first overseas or at out-of-state gig without the Yeah. First. Like, okay, yeah, this yeah. is real.
1: And then, like, they started seeing me pay my bills. They started seeing me, you know... You move out the house. Move out of the house. And, uh-huh. you know, it took a while, but eventually they came around. They, like, gave the full support. You know, they're always going to be my parents. So, like the, you know, like if, if shit falls apart, we you always got us. Yeah. Or know.
0: they'll always worry for you. Like my parents, always. I'm so glad to still have in my life. My parents to this day, they know I'm doing gigs for X, Y, Z, and I'm traveling, and da-da-da. They're still like, "Are you okay with money? Do mm-hmm. you need groceries?" Yes, and then, yes, th- th- yes. And it's the same
1: battery of questions. Yeah, I get no matter what. Are you okay
0: with money? Like, hey, don't spend that <laughs> money. Don't spend. The, no, no, no. We got it. We got it. It's like, dude, yeah. you guys are retired. Like, I, I think I can pay for Trader yeah. Joe's groceries for us. Yeah, I assume that's just parents in general, but maybe also immigrant parents, because you yeah. know, we, me and you are the same. Like Your parents are Filipino. My parents are El Salvadorian. They came here. I guess they'll always have that kind of anxiety and making sure our kid's all right and we're from a different country. and, and They don't want to see us struggle the way they struggle. Well, I don't think any parents do, but especially yeah. them coming from developing nations, they right. might be a little more intense and stuff.
1: Yeah. And plus, we're taking unconventional routes.
0: Yeah. Which, yeah. you know,
1: is still new to them. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to be worried and they're going to be like, are you sure this is going to pay your bills? Because it's not serious. Music is not serious to them. But, I mean, look how
0: far music has taken some of us, you know? Yeah. I think my parents, once I moved out, went to college, graduated, and I did see, like, checks from, you know, big corporate brand this and big fashion brand this. Mm They're like, okay, we know what that is. We don't know what this cool party you're doing is mm-hmm. but you know when you got mail from Facebook yeah it looks like a check yeah yeah you Facebook or you know the Getty Museum it's yeah, like yeah. oh shit this is
1: creative real. artist agency yeah. I don't know what this is <laughs> yeah but I think it's a check and they here. hold up in the
0: light and yeah. all that stuff I see
1: a routing number
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so funny because I, I was like we had a talk with Shortcut and the guy already I mean, toured the world won battles dah, dah, dah. But until he saw his parents saw his face in like the date book mm-hmm. the newspaper that yeah. was like oh Oh, this is real. It's like, what the fuck? Like, your son's like one of the best that would ever be, but it took something as humble as the local newspaper. Not that I'm in Japan and Sweden.
1: Yeah. Everyone has their own gauge for success. Yeah. And your parents, your parents are
0: always going to have their own gauge for your success. Yeah. I'm so glad. I think you might be the first DJ friend that I could say. Our parents have the same kind of anxieties. Yeah. It comes from love. So it's all good. Yeah. We have a lot
1: of homies that go through the same thing. But we're out here living the dream, man, and like you know, like we're fortunate enough to be, you know, out there doing what we love to do for a living.
0: Yeah, and I tweeted about this recently, and I tell people this all the time. I want to say that ninety percent, at least, of the problems that come with DJing are totally self-made in our heads. It's yeah, it's insecurity, it's <laughs> ego, it's oh, I, well, I wasn't responsible, or I got too messed up and I fucked up the connect to the club. But usually. That's us. And then ten percent are just like, I don't know, other things they just can't control. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, the other person got the gig for XYZ. But yeah, yeah. back to your point. We are living the dream. It's yeah. pretty fucking awesome. You know, it, it we're good to have that. And then some talking about family and your parents are down. Your brother Dino, since he was a dancer, is he mad supportive as well?
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah. He comes to my parties. Yeah, man. That's um, tight. He always checks in with me. You know, my little brother checks in with me. Yeah, soon. man. He's about to graduate from Expressions.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah.
1: So, you know, he's kind of getting his foot into, like, you know, doing live audio. Like, uh-huh. I've been taking him on gigs with me to, like, do sound setups and stuff. Yeah. One of the reasons why I'm DJing in the first place is because of Dino, my yeah. older brother. Because, you know, he brought me into the scene. Like, he introduced me to EJ. Yeah. He introduced me to, you know, all these mobile groups. Yeah, my older
0: brother, too. He was a DJ, too. so it was. Like, I didn't know that, really. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. So it was, it, he was kind of the, the shepherd or whatever. Yeah. Going back to the whole family thing, it's so funny. Both our sets of parents come to this country, and we are really, like, their wildest dream. It's like they are, you know, my parents came with very little and scraping by. Also, their son can go DJ for Facebook for three hours and make a bunch of money. or Yeah. Which uh, is what I got to do tomorrow. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like two of our kids work in music. Now we, we thought it'd be doctors or lawyers, but that's the joy of, you know, the American dream. It could kind of be everything for everyone. Right. Like, you know, I know he works in an alternative kind of field as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's not what we pictured, but they're happy and they're creative. And they're paying their bills. Yeah, and, well, uh,
1: yeah. My my mom used to be really anti marijuana, and now she's a CBD advocate. Oh, damn! Because of my brother, yeah.
0: They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny yeah. how like you know th- this this gamble that they take. It totally, it, I, again, I don't think anyone would have guessed what you and I are doing. And the right. fact that you and I are in a backyard kind of sharing our joys and, you know, some of the kind of snags is, I don't know. We have to give our parents a lot of credit and give ourselves some credit for kind of, you know, keeping the path. And Absolutely, stuff. man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we wrap up, another thing we connect on, again, we keep, I keep talking about how we connect a lot of things. Mm. our love for polo and Jordans. <laughs> okay. If you can, what is your holy grail? Is it something you have or you want in terms of polo? real quick
1: well i would love a snow beach jacket in a 3x yes. but they don't make it in that size so any of those special lines like the stadium collection yes.
0: uh snow beach cold wave all that stuff
1: in 3x please like, just <laughs> do one
0: listen any low heads out there hook up my man paulo yeah. I, mean,
1: I, I mean i know i should
0: be losing some weight and i'm working on it but till then you know what we should do a do this buy the 2x and use that as your, as your goal jacket. My goal jacket. Yeah. I,
1: dude, you know how many goal shirts I have in the uh, closet right yo, now? Yo, no, no, fuck it. <laughs> you, you know polo. how many goal rugby's I would have? Ralph,
0: what would Ralph say right now? Ralph would say, lose that weight, man. Yeah. So you get into this 2X. Yeah.
1: I, there's a reason why I didn't make that Yankees jacket in the
0: 3X. And then what about Jordans? Because I'm new to the Jordan game. I'm not going to front. I'm not some head, but I just. Now Neither am I. I'm a ones guy. Yeah. So, no, so I made Jordan 1. See, yeah, I even got the love, terminology wrong. I right. love
1: ones. Like, what size are yeah, you, by the way? I'm on an 11
0: and a half. 11 and a half. So any of our Jordan 1 heads listening, 11 and a half. And what was the shoe you'd like to have? <laughs> Both shattered backboards. Oh. I just, I'm not ready to pay $500 for either but here's the thing my love for polo now and Jordan's one out. because before growing up my family didn't have any money and I was even in my 20s and I just didn't I wasn't getting it like that but now that I can I'm all like mm-hmm. it's this weird kind of like poor person revenge or working class person revenge yeah like, yeah, yeah now I'm I gonna, can ball
1: out and buy 500 uh, yeah, dollars shoes yeah cause and, I
0: and I have yeah exactly I have. And, or like you know buy like a you know, $385 polo sweatshirt that, yeah. uh, it's just a sweatshirt but it's got a crest and a bear that's dressed up like a you know
1: my dad was a low head what yeah what oh yeah he was a low head I mean he wasn't like boosting or nothing but he was everything he wore was polo like I wore That's polo, the only reason why I, to polo I, I wore yeah. polo all through high school because me and him were the same size yo and everything that he was wearing for uh-huh. polo I would see Raekwon wearing the source <laughs> So I was like, <laughs> my dad had, like, fucking impeccable taste in polo. I need to see your polo collection, your father's polo collection. Oh, I mean, they're basic Oxfords. Yeah. yeah they're, they're your run-of-the-mill Oxfords. And, the ones you, you find know, at Marshalls. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, at that time, nobody was fucking with it, man. Like, you know, I, I had the ill polo sport blue and green jacket.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I still got it. It's got a weird fit. It's a 2X and it's got a weird fit. Yo, it's how short.
0: Yeah, it's tight, but also wide. They're short. It's yeah. Wide. yeah, it's very weird. I had to get a joint tailored until they take out the waistband because they're yeah. like mad tight. And, but the arms are mad tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're totally, they're all baggy. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've now developed to Polo Talk. Welcome to Polo Talk with King Mo and DJ Kutso. <laughs> this but, is the segue into the new podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm low sorry, talk. I'm, yeah, low, low voices. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but no, shout out to your dad for being a, a low head He was the Don, man Yeah, yeah Mr. Bello is the Raekwon of San Jose He was He was, <laughs> you you was Raekwon
1: before Raekwon was Raekwon And you are his ghost face <laughs> Yeah,
0: I like to think so <laughs> Songs that pump you up You mentioned the Don Henley love And this is kind of sometimes <laughs> Something I, I try to remember to ask yeah. questions at the end of the show A song that gets you pumped up Before you gotta do what you gotta do Besides the Don Henley song, what's another jam that like gets you feeling your plums? You know what song uh, woke me up today when I was driving home in traffic from SF was uh-huh. uh, Skid Row, I Remember You. I didn't even know that song, but I'll take your word Dog. for it. Dog, you don't know your power ballads? <laughs> Yo, I'm, how do I say this without being a dickhead? I wasn't raised like that. And I think you know what I mean. So yeah, there's a yeah. whole world of music. I, John, do you know that song? Of course. Of okay, course, man, John knows John, it. John, all right. You Filipino guys, you, you and your power ballad, y'all know what <laughs> yeah, it is, dude. man. Yeah, dude. No, um. but I mean,
1: they're, they're, uh, right now, there's a uh, this album that I haven't been able to put down all week is uh, this album from this band called Salt.
0: Oh, shout out Cosmo Baker, who put on his uh, his Mixed Cloud Radio show. Uh-huh. So he's kind of like being the champion for this band. And There's like no information on this band. It's mysterious. Yeah, like uh,
1: the one thing I've heard is that Kid Sister affiliated band is Salt. writing
0: for it or something like that. Is
1: she writing for it? I feel like I've heard her voice on the album.
0: Yeah, Coswell breaks it down. Does Coswell, he? Yeah, and uh, his first ever mix show. And by this time, he's probably have a couple episodes. And maybe by the time this airs, they might have just blown up. But yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. I've I, I've I, kind
1: of been on like this Krongbin. Uh, binge yeah as of late yeah. and that opened me up to salt actually uh going to playlist retreat uh Corey towns uh shout out Corey towns he um got on the feed and he was like you guys should listen to this album and i listened to it and i haven't been able to put it down since and it's salt it's insane yeah okay. salt is dope right. man so
0: I'm, I'm sure the way music kind of travels now probably by the time this airs it's but Somebody the song
1: like the, this, the yeah. song that really pumps my nads <laughs> <laughs> like forever and ever this is a weird one Oh, the skid row wasn't weird? No. <laughs> nah, man. That's surface level, man. No, you know what song really pumps me up? Uh-huh. And the your nads? S- and my nads, my son nads. Shabazz the Disciple, Death Be the
0: Penalty. And there we go. If I was a wrestler, that would be my entrance music. And there we go. John's favorite subject, wrestling. You guys can talk about it after this. Wrestling
1: man. and horrorcore.
0: Uh, there you go. My man, Kutso Paulo Bello. Thank you so much for this time. Dude. With this,
1: I'm going to part with... As I embellish, mentally I nourish, resuscitate a mind state that has perished, Shabbaz, the disciple. That might have been the hardest exiting any guest has ever done on this show.
0: I don't want to drop the mic because I know these are expensive, but this is where it would happen. And there we go. Opening set, season three, episode one, with my brother, DJ Kutso. Three white claws deep. Three white, three white <laughs> claws deep and a couple of blunts and God knows what else, man. Thank you so much, man. Shout out John Reyes, by the way, Ronnie Shotgun. Yeah, yeah. You were the man. Thank hey, you. Thanks thank for you. having me,
1: guys. Dude, this, I've, been, I've been listening, man. I love what thank you're doing.
0: You. Opening set, season three, episode one, with my man, Kutso, King Most, John Reyes. What episode? Goddamn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.